Lord, we thank you for 150 years of this church building standing here. We thank you for all that you've done in it in that time, and we pray that you'd add to that today. Thank you that every time we are in your presence that all things are possible. Our lives can change, our minds can change, our direction can change, our provision can change. Every time we're in your presence, all things are possible. And we pray now that you'd speak to us through this passage, you'd inspire us by your word, and that we leave this place encouraged and built up, ready to live our whole lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5. Beginning at verse 1 says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. 150 years ago, this church building was first consecrated to God's glory. It was given over to the work of God for the blessing of the people in this community and to point people to the Lord of all. And for all those years since, it sought to lift people's uh, eyes towards heaven, to lift high the name of Jesus, and to give people the opportunity to enthrone Jesus as Lord. I was doing some research this week, and the bishop who consecrated this church all those years ago was a guy by the name of Bishop James Fraser. Bishop James Fraser was known for working well with other churches, and other denominations seem to have a really high regard for him. He never, shot, never stopped sharing the gospel with all the people that he met. Apparently you could see him often just walking up and down the streets of Manchester telling people about Jesus. His days were often full of going between one factory and one workplace and addressing the workers there about the good news of Jesus. He was active in trying to bring the kingdom of God to every sphere of society. He was particularly passionate about education, set up a board of education for the benefit of school pupils and whole school communities across this diocese. 
the Diocese of Manchester at the time that he was operating was still relatively newly established and it sounds like it needed a bit of order and structure bringing to it which Bishop James Fraser was part of bringing about. And as he did that and sought to see the diocese move forward, he was part of consecrating 99 new churches. So he was ceaseless in sharing the gospel. He worked well with others. He was passionate to bring the kingdom across all society. And he sent and started and consecrated 99 new churches during his tenure. I want you to keep those themes maybe in the back of your mind as we turn now to the passage that I read. We began reading from Luke chapter 5. Well, what comes before Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 1 to 4. And it's important to remember where we are in this. Luke chapter 1 and 2 is kind of the Christmas story, the announcing of Jesus' birth, Jesus' birth happening, and then his very earliest years. Then we get Luke chapter 3, which is John the baptizer preparing the way for Jesus when he's much older. And we get Jesus' baptism and a long genealogy helping us place Jesus in the line of so many others. Chapter 4, then, is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the devil for three separate times. Then he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, and is completely rejected. And then begins, in the very last part of chapter 4, what we would call his public ministry. Teaching and healing and doing all of that stuff. And then we get to this account that we've read in chapter 5. Now, I say all that because I think it's important to place this story where it is. Peter hadn't been around Jesus for years and years yet. They didn't have lots of rapport and understanding. This was like one of their first interactions, the first opportunities that they got to get to know one another. And this happens. We see that a crowd is already gathering around Jesus. He's only been going at it for like half of chapter four, but already the people can see that this guy isn't like everybody else. His teaching has greater weight and authority. It, it compels us more than any words that we've heard elsewhere. And then he started to heal. Peter's mom gets healed of a, a high fever. Many get healed. Demons start getting cast out of people. In half a chapter, Jesus has done enough to then have a crowd follow him the next day. Such a big crowd that he borrows a boat so that he can go out a little bit from shore, turn around, and then address the crowd from the boat. So he's able to, to speak to a whole lot of people really easily. And as soon as he stopped speaking, he says, Peter, let's go out into deep water, let's cast down the nets, and let's take in a haul. Now remember that Jesus, for 30 years or so, was a labourer, a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman, right? And then he becomes a teacher, a miracle worker, son of God here on earth doing that. And he approaches a fisherman and starts telling them how to fish. Now, Peter, you might say, isn't the best of fishermen because he hasn't caught anything that last night, and we'll see another occasion in a minute where the same sort of thing happens. But Jesus, the laborer, the carpenter, the teacher, the miracle worker, approaches the fisherman and says, let's put down the nets. And Peter says, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus, we, we're tired. We've tried, okay? We tried to get a big haul in, but we just didn't manage to do it this last night. We know what we're doing. It just hasn't worked out this time. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
My picture of this is kind of Peter saying, go on then, but if it doesn't work, I want everyone to know that it was your idea. I've tried and it's not worked all night. We tried to catch fish and it just hasn't panned out this time. But if you say so, Jesus, the laborer, the carpenter, the teacher, the miracle worker, I'm the fisherman, you're all that, but if you say so, I will. Maybe there's something in him realizing that Jesus isn't quite like everybody else. So maybe if he says it, we should just give it a go, as tired and as broken and as weary as we already are. So they go out into deep water. They cast the net down. And immediately, this enormous catch of fish is brought in, so much so that they signal over another boat. We've got so much to catch. We need your help. They come over, and because there's so many fish being caught, both ships are in danger of sinking. Everyone was understandably astonished. They've not caught anything all night. Someone comes along and says, let's give it one more chance. They go and they catch more than they've ever caught before. So much so that their boat and their mate's boat might sink in the water. Simon, also called Simon Peter, also then called Peter, it's all the same person. Simon says, Seeing that there's something different about Jesus, Lord, go away from me, I'm sinful. He can see that there's something about this man. He can kind of predict the future. He knows where the fish are going to be. And he knows that he doesn't deserve, if you like, to be in the presence of Jesus. He says, go away from me, I'm sinful. But Jesus rejects that call. He doesn't say, okay, then, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I am holy and you are sinful, but... So maybe we shouldn't be together. Jesus says, I want to still be close to you. He rejects that call and says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Peter, take what you have been doing, fishing for fish, and making a livelihood out of that. And keep going, just fish for people instead, for men and women, for girls and for boys. And then the line that seems to change everything. So they pulled up their boats, left everything, and followed him. Peter hasn't known Jesus for very long, but already he's seen enough to leave everything he's known before. His livelihood, his way of living. He's put it all on the beach, put it all in the boat, left it, and followed this man who's taught with authority, who's healed all who've come to him, who's predicted the future, who's enabled this huge catch of fish to come in. He leaves everything and follows Jesus. I think it's really significant that on the day that Jesus says, fish for people, not for fish, that he's just brought about this enormous catch. I think what Jesus is saying to Peter is, I've just shown you what an enormous catch of fish is like. Now you go and fish for people. And I don't think the image here is of, one or two, you know, fishing with a little rod and spending hours and getting nothing. He's saying, I've just given you this enormous catch. You go fish for people and you will have an enormous catch yourself. And that's exactly what Peter went on to do. He stuck close to Jesus for three years on earth. He was always the one that was ready to, to tell others about who Jesus was. He was the first one to understand that Jesus was the Son of God. And then the moment that Jesus is ascended back to the Father, he's the one that preaches at Pentecost. And 3,000 people are added to the church. 
Peter's the one that carried on healing and speaking and explaining to the world who Jesus was. Peter was key in the good news about Jesus, not just staying within Jewish communities, but spreading to non-Jewish places, to Gentiles like you and me as well. Peter did go on to fish for people and his catch was enormous. 3,000 on one day, many others on other occasions and entering into a whole new world with taking the gospel beyond Jewish communities. I know that we've read this story recently, but I just want to flick quickly to John chapter 21 because we get a similar thing happening here. Now, Luke happens right at the beginning. This encounter with John happens right at the end where there is some rapport and some understanding. I'll read this for us quickly. John 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, same guy. Thomas, also known as Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee. And two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Hearing some similarities. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So the same thing seems to happen again, right? The disciples go fishing. They catch nothing. Jesus approaches, tells them to put the net down again and then they get this enormous haul of fish. Jesus commissions Peter right at the beginning of their encounter, their friendship, as a fisher for humankind, for women and for men. And here at the end of their friendship, in one of their very last encounters on earth, he seems to recommission, to confirm that call again. Because he comes, he tells them how to fish, and they again receive this enormous haul. But did you spot some of the differences between the two accounts as well? Two come to mind for me which seem significant. The first account that we read in Luke 5, 
The nets start to tear and the two boats almost sink. And yet in John 21, the nets might have bulged, but they didn't get anywhere near breaking. I think there's something significant in that. Second thing, and most powerfully of all, in Luke 5, when this miraculous event happens, Peter says, get away from me, Lord. I'm sinful, you're holy. And yet when it happens again in John 21, as soon as Peter realizes that it's Jesus, he takes off his outer clothes, he dives into the water, and he wants to get near him. At the beginning of their friendship, Peter's sin and his brokenness is too much a barrier for Peter, and yet Jesus stays faithful. At the end, Peter's ready to dive into the water to be near Jesus because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection. Peter knows that he's been forgiven. He knows that there's no barrier now between him and Jesus, and all that he wants to do is be near him. Bear in mind, he's a fisherman, right? The more fish he catches, the more money he makes. He's just had this enormous haul of fish, and yet he leaves all the other disciples with that because Jesus is in front of him, and he just wants to be near him. Peter is a brilliant example of following Jesus wherever he goes, of dropping everything else, to be near the one that we love. The first time, Jesus' power and Jesus' ability caused Peter to want to retreat. The second time, his power and his ability drew Peter towards him. Because of the cross and the resurrection, his sin is done away with. So he doesn't need to hold back. And in the words of Hebrews, he can boldly approach God's throne. Today, I want us to give thanks for our namesake, our patron, Peter. But I want us to give thanks in the way that I think Peter would want. Not just to sit and tell stories and enjoy them once again and look forward to the next time when we get to read a story about him. I think if Peter were here today, he'd want to say, well, this was the mantle I was given. Here was the mandate Jesus gave me. If you're really going to follow after me as I follow after Christ, why don't you take up that same mantle? I started off as a fisher, maybe wasn't that great at it, but a couple of miraculous hauls of fish came in and Jesus said, don't fish for fish anymore, fish for people. And I think Peter would say to us, take up that mantle again, fish for people. I want us to be the kind of people, the kind of church which casts the net far and wide which doesn't say well they won't follow Jesus and they won't want to know and oh I'm not sure if I'd want to go and tell those people but it says I'm going to cast the net wide and I'm going to trust that God in his mercy is going to bring a catch in it's surely going to be some unlikely people but if I was being really honest there's some unlikely people from amongst us God cares for all God doesn't discriminate God's reach is long enough and strong enough to hold on to all those who he calls towards him. Let's be those people who cast the net of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, his love, his power, his forgiveness, eternal life starting here and now. Let's be those who cast that net far and wide. And I know that as soon as we do that, Our nets will start to bulge without breaking. 
Because Jesus said, the harvest is ready, the workers are few. To translate the metaphor then, the fish are ready, but the nets need to cast out. The people are ready, all they need to do is hear about me, and I'll do the drawing, and I'll do the gathering in. I pray that life after life and family after family and friendship group after friendship group might come into a living relationship with Jesus through us, casting the net of the gospel wide here and now. That's what Peter would do. That's what Peter did do, leaving everything to follow Jesus and doing all that he could that loads of people would hear about him and want their lives to be different as a result. And the exciting thing for me is that I think this is starting to happen. It's interesting that when I go to meetings and other things in and around the area, the diocese, people keep telling me about things that are going on at St. Peter's that I've got no idea how they've heard about. News is spreading about things that are going on here. On a good Sunday, between both of our services, there might be 50 people or so that gather to worship at the moment. But you know that more than 10 times that amount engage with stuff that we do online every month. I don't know who those 450 people are, but something is drawing them towards us. Maybe they're checking out when we meet or what we believe. Maybe they're just dipping their toe in. Maybe they ended up there for some other reason. But God is casting the net, is spreading it wide. And I believe that as we do that more and more, People are going to get caught up into the good news of Jesus. Even just this week, I was invited to speak to 60, 10 and 11 year olds, just about to go off to secondary school, ending their time at St. Luke's Primary, one of those that is linked to us. The question was, how does having faith affect a believer's life? So I was able for 45 minutes or so to tell story after story of the difference that following Jesus makes to Christians. Some from the Bible, people who had encounters with Jesus, whose lives were then radically different, a bit like Peter. Some from church history, but even some of our stories, people that are in this room, I was able to say, well, they were a bit like this, and then they met Jesus, and now they're a bit like that. The net is being stretched and cast wide, and I trust that as we do that more and more, people are going to be drawn in. We're seeing week on week and alpha by alpha, people intrigued by faith, getting in touch about baptisms or or what it is that we really believe, wanting to chat life by life, just intrigued a little bit by what it is that's at the heart of this church community. What really is the gospel? What does Jesus really have for me that no one else can provide? We're seeing people listening to stuff we're doing online, asking for Bibles off the back of it. And in their ones and their twos at the moment, But with our prayers, we're hoping that in their dozens and dozens, people are being drawn towards Jesus. And that's really why we're here. I'm here so that people on the roads around here, people in the other corners of Bury, get the chance to understand the gospel, get the chance to hear it in a way that makes sense to them, get the chance to hear it more than once as they process it and assimilate it into their life and say, is this something that I want to respond to or not? And bit by bit, we're starting to see it. Bit by bit, the net is getting widened out and cast deeper. And I trust that as we do that, just as Peter was commissioned to fish for people, we will see loads of people want to come and worship Jesus here. We'll see this place full, many times over on a Sunday and beyond. And then in time, a little bit 
like with Bishop James Fraser, we might send out other boats to go and cast their own nets in different parts of Bury or even further afield. So I'm excited partly about Jason being here because the aim is that he absorbs some stuff from here, takes it on, cuts his teeth, and then spreads it, takes it somewhere new, wherever God will lead him in time. I want us to be people who cast the net really wide, who don't rule someone out from responding to Jesus through our own beliefs or opinions, but say, I'm just going to present the hope that I have in Jesus. I'm just going to invite you along to something that's going on at church. I'm just going to explain to you a bit about what I did at the weekend and just be honest about what it was. I'm going to tell you about this God that I worship. I'm going to love you like he's loved me. And bit by bit, prayer by prayer, invitation by invitation, people will respond. People will get caught up into the net of the good news of Jesus. People will want to know more about him. They will be drawn to this church community. And we're not doing it because we want this place to be great. That's not the point of any of this. The point is so that individual lives get radically transformed by Jesus. That someone's whole life is changed, even their whole eternity, because they come face to face with the God who loves them. They bow their knee to him and enthrone him as Lord over their life. So on this St. Peter's Day, 150 years on, of this building being commissioned to go about this work, can I call us back to that task? To say we are fishers of people. That we are going to cast the net really wide, make it as big as it possibly can be, so that as many people as possible get to hear about Jesus in language they can understand. They get a chance to take steps towards him, to explore what a relationship with him would be like, and then to give their whole lives over to him and be drawn into his family.